Good morning, everybody, and thank you for joining me again today on Next on the Tee. We are brought to you today by the great folks over at the French Lick Resort, the PGA Tour Superstore, the Bobby Jones Company, and our good friends over at Frogger Golf. And, folks, if you haven't checked out FroggerGolf.com lately, they've got a wonderful array of products. I can't brag enough about their accessories like the amphibian towel that won the best new product at the PGA Merchandise Show back in 2009, or their new catch latch technology that easily and securely attaches and releases, whether it's your towel, your amphibian towel, right, the, br- uh, the brush pro cleaner that they have, all of those things right to your golf bag. And uh, this being Breast Cancer Awareness Month, they have a wonderful pink version of their accessories as well, and a portion of the sales go to help uh, support breast cancer. So please go check them out online at froggergolf.com. And let me also say how great the new Bobby Jones fall apparel is, folks. Please go to uh, bobbyjones.com to take a look for yourself at all their great new arrivals. Plus, you know, while you're there, you can actually watch playing lessons from Mr. Jones himself. Many of those lessons from back in the day still hold true today. And the Bobby Jones golf shirts and sweaters are so soft and so comfortable. They're going to keep you warm and looking good and feeling great, whether you're in the office or out on the golf course. Again, check it out, bobbyjones.com. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and this morning I have two great guests that I'm looking forward to sharing with you. And first up with me this morning, we'll be crossing over to hockey, if you will, talking to former L.A. King Stanley Cup champion Bernie Nichols. Bernie played in the NHL from 1981 to 1999 with the Kings, Rangers, Oilers, Devils, Blackhawks, and Sharks. He's uh, you know, also had the opportunity to play in several celebrity golf events on some you know, really fantastic golf courses. So we'll talk about that. Plus, you know, who some of the, you know, who some of the great NHL golfers are as well. And some, like I say, some great stories from the, the pros he got an opportunity to play with. Bernie's going to join me here in just a few minutes. Following him, we'll get a return visit from legendary broadcaster Mr. Ben Wright. I will talk with uh, Mr. Wright about his memories of the great Arnold Palmer and the times that they spent together and the events Mr. Wright broadcasted involving Mr. Palmer. We'll also get his thoughts on the Ryder Cup this year, as well as some of the, you know, some of the history of the Ryder Cup as well. So Mr. Wright will be uh, along with me a bit, little bit later on in this half hour. So we're going to have a lot of great stories to share with you this morning. I'm so glad that you're here to take the journey with me over the next hour or so. And like I mentioned a moment ago, we're sponsored by the French Lick Resort, which is an absolutely spectacular place, folks. Their Pete Dye and Donald Ross design courses were ranked number one and number two in the state of Indiana by Golf Week. It was the site of last year's Senior PGA Championship, and they uh, most recently hosted the LPGA Legends Championship as well. Go to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself how great it is and to book your stay. And every week here on Next on the Tee, we like to kick off the show by saluting the brave men and women that are serving in every branch of our military who are tuning in around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. We want to thank all of you for the daily sacrifice that you and your families are making to protect our freedoms and our liberties. We also want to thank our veterans out there for all that you and your families have done for us over the years. It's through your strength and your efforts that our way of life continues to be possible. Folks, if you happen to see a member of our military when you're out and about in your daily life, whether that's you know, in a restaurant, at the grocery store, in the airport, wherever you might be, please stop for a moment and tell them thank you. They are our true heroes. Our sincere thanks as well to Sean Cruz and all the wonderful folks over at the Armed Forces Radio Network. It is such an honor for us to have Next on the T as part of your network. You can find our show by going to armedforcesradionetwork.org. And veterans, please... 
Continue to check out globalvoiceforveterans.org. What a great site with news and articles and a wealth of information that is specifically geared towards our veterans out there that I'm sure you're going to find both interesting and beneficial to you. Again, globalvoiceforveterans.org. All right, now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is former NHL All-Star Bernie Nichols. We had the privilege of having Bernie with us on our sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate, a few months back. And he also joined my football co-host, Mr. Bob Lazari, on the TV side recently on uh, his show, Monday Night Sports Talk. I believe that was earlier this week. Let me also give you some more background on Bernie. He was born in Halliburton, Ontario, was a fourth-round draft pick by the L.A. Kings in the NHL back in 1980. He played 17 seasons in the NHL for the Kings, Rangers, Oilers, Devils, Blackhawks, and Sharks. He got his original call-up from the AHL to the NHL back in February of 1982, and over the final 22 games of that season, folks, recorded 32 points. During that 1988-89 season, he became one of only 13 players in NHL history to record eight points in a single game. He's one of only eight players in NHL history to score 70 goals in a season and one of five to score 150 points in a single season. He was selected to three NHL All-Star games in 1984, 89, and 1990. In all, he played in 1,127 games, and he recorded 1,209 points. So, yes, he averaged more than a point per game over the course of his career. Those 1,209 points are good for 45th on the all-time list. He's played in several celebrity golf events, which we'll get to in a moment. He also owns a company called All Sports Market, which we'll also talk about when Bernie joins me here in just a moment. It is such an honor for me to get to have him next on the tee with me this morning. So, Bernie, thank you so much for coming back and being a part of the show. Chris, my pleasure. Good to be back. So, Bernie, you know, you, you played, you know, in the NHL during what was a really great era in the sport, obviously marked by your time playing alongside, uh, you know, the greatest player of all time in, in Wayne Gretzky. But from a golf perspective, Bernie, who were some of the best hockey players that were also really good golfers? Well, Mary Lemieux uh, is an unbelievable golfer. Uh, Danny Quinn, uh, some current guys. Uh, well, Grant Fuhr, uh played – Played very well, still does. Uh, you know, I, I get to, to see some of the current players, just more or less uh, the L.A. guys. Anze Kopitar uh, loves to play. Uh, Justin Williams is very good. Uh, Mike Medano. Uh, hockey, we, we have a lot of great golfers. Hockey, it, it's similar in the sport, and, you know, you always have the summers off. So uh, I think there's a lot of good uh, hockey players that are golfers out there. You mentioned Danny Quinn, and Dan has uh, been a great friend of the show. We've had Dan on uh, a number of times. Well, did you ever get an opportunity to uh, tee it up alongside Dan? Yeah, uh, a lot of times. Danny's is probably good as any uh, golfer or any, any hockey player. Danny would probably be as good as any of them. He, he plays a lot with a lot of the pros. I know he uh, caddied for uh, the Big Easy for a long time, uh, whether he still does or not. And I know down in Florida there he plays a lot of uh, with a lot of golfers down there. So he's very good. So, Bernie, let's sort of go all the way back to your time in the game of golf. When did you actually first start playing? I really didn't start playing until I, I was in L.A. Uh, when I was about 25 years old. Um, so I got a late start on it. But like anything, you, you get passionate about it. And, you know, for me, what's real cool is uh, with the Kings, um, Craig Stadler used to come to a lot of games. Freddie Couples, 
so I got to know uh, Craig Sadler real well, uh, hung with him quite a bit, played some golf with him, uh, fortunate to caddy for, for Freddie Couples in an event one time, uh, so I know Freddie quite well. Uh, they, they brought John Cook to some games, so uh, and I and remember Dave Stockton, and I still talk to, to Dave's son, uh, Dave Jr. Um, I've had, you know, Dave Stockton uh, was in our, our dressing room too, so, uh, you know, a lot of one great thing about sports is they're all sports nuts, right? All athletes are sports nuts and they always love different sports. And, you know, for me playing in LA got an opportunity to meet a lot of good golfers as well. Uh, John Daly, I've caddied for John. John gave me his clubs one day, you know, just unbelievable. So yeah, he gave me his driver, right. And it's like, he's got tape on there. It was, um, the old Callaway and it was like double X, there's no chance I could ever hit it, right? So I just kept it. Uh, but just a super, super nice guy, John. So, but the, but they all are, right? Like to me, athletes are the greatest people in the world, and uh, golfers are, are no exception. They're they're awesome people. Yeah, I mean, the opportunity to caddy for Freddie Couples or John Daly. What was it like being inside the ropes, or, or you know, being a part of a, a pro am event uh, caddying for those two guys? Well, what was awesome is they had a a skins game up in San Jose when I played for the Sharks and, and Craig Stadler, he came, he stayed with me. It was Stadler, uh, John Cook, Freddie Couples and, and John Daly. And they played nine holes one day for TV and then nine holes the next. Well, after the first nine holes, they went out and played the, the backside of the course. And obviously, uh, you know, Craig said, come on, play. So I got to play with those guys and we played a, a wolf wow. game, you know? So, uh, yeah. obviously that, that was pretty cool. So, uh, but the cool thing about Freddie was when I was caddying for him, it was a par five and it was like two thirty uphill, you know, uh, he says, I don't think I can get my three there. And I'm thinking three wood, right? So he says, yeah. give me my two iron, you know, he hits it in there like 12 feet. And I go, Oh damn, I go, these guys are good. <laughs> so that, that was pretty cool. But Freddie's just awesome. I, I love Freddie. He's a super guy, but they all are. Yeah. And it, you mentioned Dave Stockton Jr. He's a great friend of the show as well. I've always enjoyed the opportunity to talk to Dave Stockton Jr. And even you know his father's been on the show as well. You know, two two of the you know great coaches of all time. Let alone Mr. Stockton's. You know, who I believe should be a member of the Golf Hall of Fame. Hopefully, we get him there in the not too distant future. But uh, you know, being around those guys and you know what a, what great putters they both are and yeah. have been did, did you get did you get the ability to catch a lesson or something from the, well, the time you spent with either of the stocktons well the funny thing is it was way back in the day so i i didn't really know much about it right i didn't know how good dave actually was and it was actually um craig Sadler had said like and i i forget what it was uh dave stockton went like 90 rounds or something stupid without a three putt right and you're going you know yep. Uh, that's impossible. I don't know what it was, but it was something stupid, right? But uh, funny thing is, like, I'm back home now. It's hunting season for me, so I haven't played a lot of golf lately, but uh, I've actually reached out to Dave Jr. and about putting because, you know, knowing now, and, and he's super, right? He goes, yeah, just, uh, you know, so I kind of talked to him on, on Twitter a little bit about it, and he's more than uh, willing to, to help me out. And so he told me to just get, get a, a little video or something it will kind of help me through it but he obviously gave me some tips and you know, it just it's just like you know people don't have to do that but they're just they're super people right and and that's what i like right. about sports people they're always willing to help other other people and to me it's great 
Yeah, no, Dave Jr. is one of the great guys that uh, I've had the privilege of talking to here, and, and his father's really fantastic as well. Both both Stocktons are just great people. And, and and Bernie, like I mentioned in your intro, you you've played in several celebrity and charity golf events. What are some of the more fun events that you've had the uh, opportunity to be a part of? Well, uh, I was one of the first people ever to play uh, Tahoe. I was the first hockey player. Me and Mike Ruzioni, I played it for about 10 years. Uh, but a funny story uh, with Tiger Woods, I um, back in, I don't know when it was, 80-something like that, uh, we have a, a member, a friend at Big Canyon Golf Course, and uh, there was four hockey players, well, three hockey players and, and the member, John Hamilton, and uh, there was five, at the time, California Angel players, uh, Bobby Gritz, uh, Freddie Lynn, Bobby DeSenze. I don't know, there was five of them, right? So we're going to play against them. And I get to the tee, and uh, John Hamilton, the member, says, you see who was on the driving range there hitting balls? And I went, no. He said it was Tiger Woods. And I went, you got to be kidding me. I said, why don't you ask him if you want to play? You know, he's a sports nut. He'd probably love it. Sure enough, here he comes with his bag, jumps in my cart. I think he's about wow. 18 or 18. Yeah, it was like one of the first years, uh, you know, that it was one of the runs of the six. I don't know uh, as an amateur whether it was a junior one or the other one, but sure enough, we played. Uh, Mike claimed the fame. I shot 72. He shot 74. So, Tiger Woods wow. never been in golf. Uh, but, you know, I've got to know in Tiger since um, uh, Hank Haney, real good friend of mine, and when, when Hank was working with Tiger, I I went to the Opens with them, uh, went to Medina there and got to walk, you know, with Hank during the practice rounds, went in the practice tee. I remember going to practice tee at Pebble when, when Tiger lit it up there and whatever year that was when he won that. And, you know, for two days after the round, we'd, we'd go on the right, you know, just standing right beside him when he's hitting balls on the driving range. So I uh, got to know, you know, Tiger a little bit. Uh, you know, that's my claim to fame in golf. Uh, played Tiger Woods and took him down. He's never asked for a remake, so uh, I, I don't know if I'll give him one. I want to keep that in my. Uh, yes, I. You know, I don't blame you. I wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah. Bernie, you mentioned a guy near and dear to my heart, just from a sports memory perspective. Michael Ruzioni, boy, that you know that uh, 1980 U.S. hockey team is is you know probably my favorite sports memory of all time did did you get to spend some time with mike and just you know talk about what that experience is what that experience was like for him and you know winning a stanley cup was like for you oh absolutely i i've spent a lot of time with mike uh stayed at his house in boston uh really good friends with mike talked to him you know not all the time but still reach out to him all the, uh, a little bit uh yeah what they went through you know as a hockey player just as an athlete you know, and the one thing about me is I love seeing people do great things. I, I love, you know, I, I always cheer for the favorites. I just love seeing that uh, in, in any sport. You know, I, I love seeing people be successful. And going back, and I was fortunate to, to play for the coach, Herb Brooks, uh, just a magnificent man. And uh, getting to know Mike, watching it, we always tease Mike, right? Like he scored one goal in his whole career, and uh, he probably makes more money off off. The playing field than anybody right like uh but but he's he's awesome you know and uh just a super guy so yeah i've known mike uh, quite a bit and uh 
just an unbelievable man. Bernie, you've talked uh, a lot about, you know, different uh, sports guys that you had an opportunity to play golf with. What about on the celebrity side? Did you get an opportunity to play with any celebrities that uh, that you really enjoyed? Absolutely. Uh, one of my first years up in uh, in Tahoe, played with Joe Namath. Um, hmm. Got to know Joe a little bit. Played with Michael Jordan uh, in Chicago. Really? With the, the Hawks when he was with the Bulls. So I got to know Michael a little bit. Uh, played with Mike, uh, when he went, to, actually the one year when he, he left basketball, we were in a lockout year, and we went to uh, Phoenix and, and watched him uh, play baseball, but got to play with him a little bit, play golf, obviously. Mike would sooner play golf than anything, I think. And, you know, I always have a fun because, you know, Mike likes to bet, and uh, we played nine, and I was beating him a little bit, and so he wanted to press me, and I, right? And I said, like, are you sure? Can you afford it, you know? And he says, yeah, I think I can. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, uh, play with Mike, uh, Charles Barkley. Um, I just actually did a thing in, uh, in September. They, they had a, a big thing down in Bermuda. Uh, it was like a basketball, football, baseball, and hockey, four guys, uh, game or five, and played with some guys, Josh Beckett, uh, Derek Lowe. Uh, they, they, they end up winning it. The, the baseball players did. They were pretty good. Eric Gagne, I played with Eric, and man, this guy hits the ball from me to you. He's he's unbelievable how far some of these guys hit the ball. Uh, wow. So, you know, that, that, and that's a great thing. Play with Johnny Bench, uh, Mike Smith. Um, you know, geez, you just you go brain dead. I actually played with Tug McGraw uh, back in the early 80s. Uh, Is that right? In the event. Yeah, so. You know, it's like, and I always tell people the greatest thing about the, the celebrity tour is you, you can't wait for a rain, rain, rain out, right? Like, because you're sitting in the clubhouse and guys are just telling stories and you're just, right. you know, football players, baseball players, and you're just sitting at the end of your seat going, you, you got to be kidding me. You know what I mean? Like, people would pay thousands yeah. of dollars to sit and listen to these guys talk. And, uh, oh, man, it's like, yeah, like I say, for 10 years. Uh, I, I played up in Tahoe there, and um, there was actors. There was, uh, you know, everybody. It was unbelievable. Uh, so just a, a lot of fun. Yeah, no, those stories had to be outstanding. Is there one that, that sticks out in your memory that, that you heard that you can share? Well, you know what? One of the funniest ones was, was Johnny Bench. Uh, he was talking. I don't know if you you can remember, every Saturday there was – uh, baseball, uh, right. you know, Saturday baseball, but, um, yeah. and, uh, what was the big picture? Uh, who is a big pitcher from St. Louis back in the day? Just no one could hit Bob him. Gibson? Uh, Bob Gibson. That's right. And I guess Johnny Bench is a kid, right? He'd sit, sit in his, uh, couch with his dad watching baseball and, uh, every Saturday, right. And Johnny's dad would go, hell, I could hit that guy. Hell, I could hit that guy. <laughs> You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. so it was one one day uh, early in Johnny's career, he's playing, and it wasn't Sparky Anderson was the, the manager, but it was somebody else, kind of a mean old guy. And uh, Johnny goes up and faces uh, Gibson and ne- never touches the ball, just blows it by him, right? So Johnny's kind of putting his pads back on. He's kind of chuckling, right? <laughs> and uh, the manager goes, what the hell are you laughing about? He says, I don't think Dad could hit this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know that's just like 
just stuff like that, you know, it's just unbelievable. And uh, I think uh-huh. it was Mookie Wilson, somebody with the, with the, um, one of the fast guys with, with uh, the Yankees, uh, stole bases all the time. And uh, Ricky Henderson? One guy, well, it wasn't Ricky, it was someone before him. Uh, hmm. But I guess he had a bit of a gambling problem. And he would just come in one day, he wasn't going to play. He was just sick, you know. So they sent him up to see George Steinbrenner. So he comes right back down. He's all pumped up, ready to go. Uh, first, he leads off, gets hit, steals, goes from second to third. He steals third, and he slides and rips his pants, and $100 bills comes out of his pants. I guess he went up and seen George, and he was telling about losing money at the track or something that day. George gave him, paid off his debt, and, you know, so now he's all excited he wanted to play and ends up sliding into third base, and uh, money falls out of his pocket. So... <laughs> You know, just stuff like that. You just just love listening to these guys. Yeah, no kidding. So, Bernie, you've you've gotten obviously you know play with so many great you know great pe- uh, people, players, celebrities, all of that sort of thing. What are some of your favorite golf courses that you've had an opportunity to go play? Well, I think uh, Pebble Beach is still uh, probably my favorite. I played Cypress Point there too. Uh, you know. I've, I've played um, two or three. Uh, oh, geez, what's a? It was rated number one for forever uh, in in Philly. Uh, mm. What's a private course in, in Philadelphia? Or like, uh, oh God, why can't we think of it? Um, uh, I know it's just Marion? outside of Philly. No, uh, you, no one plays on it. Like oh, okay. it was rated number one and number two forever. Um, oh God, I can't believe we can't think of that. Um, yeah. Oh geez, I played Medina. You know, I think Medina's as good as any Medina three. Um, yeah. Riviera in L.A. I played L.A. Country Club. Um, oh geez, A Shinnecock. Played Shinnecock. Wow. Awesome. Um, but I can't believe we can't think of the one, uh, it's in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's right. Oakmont is near Pittsburgh. Yeah. No, uh, near, uh, near Philadelphia. I mean, you know, know, if I think about, you know, all the great private, you know, Pine Valley's up that way in in New Jersey. That's it. Pine Valley. It's close to Philly. Pine Valley. Yeah. I played it twice. Uh, you know, great course, obviously. I think it's been rated one or two forever. So, uh, yeah, every chance I get, uh, you know, you, you don't turn down, uh, have an opportunity to play great courses and obviously, you know, you get that opportunity. So, uh, play a few. I saw, uh, one of your social media posts recently with, uh, fellow LA Kings, great Jim Fox playing down at Trump national. I'm curious to get your thoughts on, uh, on Trump national. Well, I think it's a great course. Uh, you know, I'm a little handicapped, so, it's kind of fair for me, but for a lot of people, it's tough. The problem is there is with the holes falling in, it's probably, it would probably be a great 14 hole golf course. They just had to, you know, squeeze in a a few extra holes. So I think it made it harder, uh, you know, a lot tighter than it really should be. But I always really enjoy playing, playing Trump for sure. So, you know, as you look at, you know, around at all the other, you know, great courses around the world, do you, you have some on your bucket list that uh, you're still looking forward to the opportunity to play? 
Well, obviously, I'd like to play Augusta. You know, and Craig always told me, Stadler always told me, because he wanted, he can go back there. He says, anytime you want to play, you know, let me know. Huh? So, uh, never had <laughs> you didn't take him up on one. it on the spot? Well, I haven't yet. I was still playing at the time, you know, so, uh, but I, I would really love, obviously love to play that one. Uh, I just love playing, you know. To me, there's not a bad golf course. You, you're just passionate about the game, so you just you enjoy playing. Uh, I would probably like to go over to Europe and play, other than I, I don't want to take that flight. Uh, but I guess the, the two, Whistling Straits, and then uh, what's, what's the one in Oregon that's really good? They played the, the opener. Yeah, want to go play there. So, yeah. you know, I played San Francisco Club, which is awesome. Uh, and then Olympic Club up there in San, uh, San Francisco. Uh, California's got some great courses. Uh, so, but yeah, there's, there's still a couple. Obviously, I think everybody's bucket list would be any golfer would love to play Augusta. Yeah, yeah. If you need a third or a fourth for that one, when you talk to Mr. Yeah. Stadler, please. <laughs> don't don't you, feel like you, you have to it. look far to find one. That's right. That wouldn't be hard to fill it, would it? <laughs> no. Bernie, just a couple of more before we let you go, but uh, you've got a new business called All Sports Market. Talk about what that is and how people can get involved with it. Yeah, Chris, it's a, the first ever real money sports stock market. So right now, anybody, anybody listening can go to allsportsmarket.com, but if you go to allsportsmarket.com slash Bernie, you get a free share in any sports team that you want. And the cool thing is, you know, it's not gambling, it's investing. You can hold on to the share as long as you want. Uh, I've always said to people, uh, I don't know a true, any true fan that wouldn't want to feel like they own a piece of their team. So you can go buy shares right now in the L.A. Kings, the uh, Chicago Cubs, the Rangers, Dodgers, uh, any, any of your favorite sports teams. And, you know, you get to watch them perform every day, you know, which to me it's a lot better than any other stock. It's, you know, you get to watch your team perform. You get paid dividends. Every win you get paid dividends on, on your investment. Uh, pays out quarterly. So uh, to me, the, the concept's great. You know, I think, uh, you know, not a funny story. Uh, I know what it's like to gamble, right? And, and I understand people, uh, you know, Vegas wasn't built by losers, obviously, uh, but, uh, or winners, I mean. But uh, I went and met my bookie. You know, I always tell people, there's nothing worse than going to meet your bookie on a Tuesday morning with an envelope full of $100 bills, and, and I've done that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and that's not fun. And I tell people, you know, we got the greatest concept going. You know, it, it honestly is. You, you, you invest in your team. You get to watch your team perform every day. If they lose, you don't lose your investment. If they win, you get paid dividends on your, your investment. Uh, you can hold on to it for as long as you want. You know, and you still get that rush. You know, whether you, you own ten dollars in in your team, two dollars in your team, or a thousand dollars in your team, you know, you still get that adrenaline rush. Uh, so when they play, because you know you you have a piece of that team, and and the concept for me, the difference in fantasy sports is, you know, fantasy you got to build your own team, you know, and and that's fine. But if I can't get my players on my team, I, I can't cheer against my team. You know, I bet. If you're in fantasy, you're against your team. And, and to me, you can't do that. Uh, I'm loyal to my team. So it's allsportsmarket.com slash Bernie. 
and you get a free share. You sign sign-ups free. Yeah, you get a free share in any team. And the cool thing is, once a month till uh, Super Bowl, we're giving away a million shares in the company just for signing up. And just for and then you know the next month, if you make a trade, uh, buy a team, something, uh, you're eligible uh, for the next month too. So uh, you know, great promotion. But like I say, it's free. Just sign up and you get a free share. So uh, I and once you get on there and you look at it. I haven't talked to anybody that, you know, I, I tell people all the time, look, just text me, like Facebook me, tweet me on Twitter uh, if you have any issues with it at all. But just talking to fans, you know, I, fans love the idea of sitting there. Uh, like I said, when I first started in L.A., we may have had 10,000 fans there, you know, but they loved the game. They loved the Kings, and they were diehard Kings fans. Every one of them would want to feel like they own a little piece of the Kings, whether it's two dollars, three dollars, ten dollars, who cares, right? Just to feel like you own a piece of it. So uh, I'm asking people to go right now, and like I said, just sign up. You're eligible to win a million shares in, in the company that could be worth tens, twenty millions of dollars when it goes public. So great concept. That's great. Yeah, absolutely, it's fantastic, Bernie. Again, it's all sports market slash Bernie. Uh, check it out. And Bernie, let our listeners know how they can follow you on social media as well. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter, it's uh, Bernie Nichols 9. And on uh, Facebook, it, it's just Bernie Nichols. Uh, and then, like like you said, they're allsportsmarket.com slash Bernie, and, and you get a free share in, in my company. So, or in, in any sports team you want. So uh, I appreciate you letting me plug that, Chris. That's awesome. Uh, and, and like I say, if anybody has any issues with anything, reach out to me. Uh, I'll help them out. That's great. Bernie, thank you so much for coming back and being a part of the show with me this morning. You're so fantastic. I hope you'll come back again soon to share more of your stories and insights with you. I always have such a great time when you're a part of the show. Well, Chris, I appreciate you having me. And uh, anytime you uh, need to talk hockey or, or you want to hear something, uh, I'm more than willing to come back on. No problem. I, pre- I appreciate it, Bernie. Take care, my friend. We'll uh, look forward to the next time get, get, getting the opportunity to catch up with you soon. You got it. Thank you. All right. Take care, Bernie. That is a uh, former NHL all-star and, uh, you know, wow, what great places and great players and, uh, you know, other athletes and celebrities that Bernie had an opportunity to play with. Fantastic stuff. And, again, his company is allsportsmarket.com forward slash Bernie. So look forward to catching up with uh, Bernie Nichols again real soon. All right, before we get to my next guest, Mr. Ben Wright, we want to give a shout-out to our friends over at the Bobby Jones Company, folks. Cold, damp, windy days, right? Right around the corner, and they are game changers. But you can beat the odds with Bernie, uh, with uh, Bobby Jones layers, from uh, quarter-zip pullovers to super soft sweaters. Check out their great styles, and you can find it on bobbyjones.com. And while you're on bobbyjones.com, click on the equipment link, too, to see the uh, great line of drivers, fairway woods, and hybrids designed by one of the game's most influential equipment designers, Mr. Jesse Ortiz. And, and like his father, Lou, and, and Bobby Jones himself, Jesse has a passion for golf and golf club, golf club design. You remember his great tri-metal fairway woods from back in the day at Olimar. Now he's putting his creativity and innovative designs to work creating great golf equipment for the Bobby Jones Company. You can go directly to their equipment site by going to bobbyjonesclubs.com. And again, great fall fashions coming out from Bobby Jones, uh, the Bobby Jones Company. Check them out directly at bobbyjones.com.
All right, we're going to get to my next guest, Mr. Ben Wright, on the other side of this station identification. You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro. Heard around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network. And now back with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Mr. Ben Wright. It is always an honor for me to get to spend some time with Mr. Wright. He is, he is a man I've revered for so many years for the wonderful way that he framed up golf for all of us on television, making the sport infinitely more enjoyable for us to watch. He's one of the great storytellers of all time, and you know, you'll see further example of that if you go uh, pick up his book, Good Bounces and Bad Lies on Amazon.com. He'll forever live in the hearts and minds of golf fans for the wonderful work he did broadcasting the Masters for CBS for so many years. And please, never forget, it was Mr. Ben Wright who used the phrase, Yes, sir, to put an exclamation point on Jack Nicklaus's Eagle 3 on the 15th hole. Two holes and 20 minutes before Vern Lundquist used that same phrase in conjunction with Nicklaus's birdie putt on 17. Of all the honors and privileges that I've had doing this show and the guests I've you know, had the opportunity to talk with, no privilege has meant more to me than speaking with Mr. Ben Wright. Good morning, Mr. Wright. Thank you for coming back on the show. Oh, good morning, Chris. A fulsome uh, introduction like that uh, will get you anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. How are so, you? I'm really well, sir. It's, it's like I say, an honor to have you back on the show. And, you know, Mr. Wright, over the last several weeks, we've been talking, you know, with, I've been talking with my guests about their memories of Mr. Palmer and, uh, you know, we tragically lost him, you know, not that long ago. And it, uh, a void has been left in the golf world without Mr. Palmer here. But uh, I wanted to kind of get uh, some of your memories of Mr. Palmer. When did you first meet him? Uh, I first met him in the week of the centenary British Open in 1960. And thanks to my friendship with a a great British golf writer, Pat Ward Thomas of The Guardian, who has lovely books uh, that are probably out of print now, but if you can pick any of them up, they are absolutely fantastic. One of them... I can think of the title is The Long Green Fairway. But anyhow, um, he had me invited to dinner at Rusak's Hotel with Arnold Palmer and his wife, Winnie, who so tragically died later of cancer. And uh, we sat down to dinner after having cocktails and... um, I apologize to the Palmers for the paucity uh, in quality of British food. It (laughs) it had not recovered from the Second World War. And in fact, a lot of Americans uh, thought that it was pretty terrible anyhow. And um, I was amazed that Arnold uh, lit into me and said, don't you ever apologize to me again for anything British after what you people went through in World War II. And I I was quite chastened uh, and um, put in my place, as it were. Anyhow, the championship unfolded, and in those days, as I'm, I'm sure you know, we played 36 holes, on the Friday, 
the last 36 holes of the event because uh, we didn't have any touring pros and all the club pros playing had to be back at their stores on Saturday morning because golf had made a very slow recovery from World War II. And it was largely a weekend game at the time, so uh, they had to be back uh, at their posts or else, as a matter of fact. Anyhow, um, Arnold was starting to mount his patented charge um, coming up on Kel Nagel, the uh, lovely Australian former Marine sergeant who had served all through World War II and was in the lead. And Palmer was fast overhauling him when we broke for lunch. And as we broke for lunch, a torrential thunderstorm uh, absolutely swept over St. Andrews. Uh, I've never seen the likes of it before or since. In fact, Chris, there was a tidal wave running down the steps by the clubhouse onto the 18th green. So in their questionable wisdom, the Royal and Ancient uh, ruled out further play for the day and scheduled the uh, fourth and final round to be played on Saturday morning, weather permitting. Well, it was a very premature decision, in my opinion, because there were at least uh, 10 hours of daylight left. And, and St. Andrews is a very fast draining course, obviously on sand. And I was interviewing Mr. Palmer in the subterranean locker room at the RNA, and uh, he was tinkering with his irons between rounds as he was wont to do. Uh, he was a great tinkerer. And um, when it came over the public address system that the fourth round had been washed out, he went as near to being berserk as I've ever. Uh, as I ever saw Mr. Palmer, and he tossed his irons down the avenues of lockers, and they slammed into the locker at the end of the room, and he said, these people have deprived me of my chance to charge to the championship. I'll be useless in the morning. And almost immediately, one of the lockers... uh, burst open and water started to flow in, uh, God knows from where, and um, we spent the next half hour and more picking up shoes and putting them on the tops of lockers. And Arnold's uh, rage uh, abated, but he was absolutely right in his forecast. The next morning was uh, very clear but very cold, and Arnold was cold with it. He never uh, achieved the momentum that he'd built up the day before. And, of course, uh, Kel Nagel, uh, God bless him and God rest his soul, a wonderful, wonderful human being, uh, won the event. But the great thing was that Arnold Palmer had single-handedly revived the British Open, it had come to a stage where 
nobody really considered it a major anymore. The Americans had turned their backs on it because it was so inconsequential. To, to give you an idea, in 1959, the previous year, at Muirfield, just down the road, uh, Gary Player had had an early starting time on the Friday, so he finished his second round about 2.30 in the afternoon, and he finished with a double bogey six for a 68, and he thought he'd blown the event. And I've got a great black and white photograph of himself at the scorer's hut uh, in floods of tears. He was quite a young fellow, and the, his wife, Vivian, was draped over him, uh, trying to console him. Anyhow, he went back to the Marine Hotel in North Berwick, and his sponsor, George Bloomberg, a gentleman from uh, Johannesburg, who was one of my great friends, along with his wife, Brenda, they fed him a, a tumbler full of scotch. Well, Gary had never seen scotch whiskey before in his humble uh, upbringing, and um, he made the mistake of putting it down in one and promptly passed out on the bed. And they had to, <laughs> the Bloombergs had to revive him uh, later in the afternoon to tell him to go back and accept the claret jug. <laughs> wow. But the point, the point of the story is, Chris, that the guys who turned, uh, who uh, tied for second, were Flory Van Donk, a Belgian, who was the private pro for King Leopold of the Belgians, and um, he was widely reckoned to be a collaborator with the Nazis and therefore very unpopular. And the other guy who tied was Fred Bullock, an English teaching pro who was stationed at Prestwick St. Ninian's, a public course, in the west of Scotland, and in that event, Fred Bullock's daughter pulled his clubs on a pull cart through all 72 holes of the British Open. And you, that gives you an idea how low we had sunk. So Arnold Palmer, God bless him, uh, came back the two, previous, uh, two following years uh, and won in a tempest at Royal Birkdale where he uh, slashed away a willow scrub bush en route to victory, and a plaque was placed where he did it. Only the strongest man on God's earth could have done such a thing, and he made birdie off the shot. And then he came back the next year in 1962 and won at Royal Troon by seven shots from the same man, Kel Nagel, who'd beaten him in 1960. So, uh, you know, justice was served in his eyes, and he was cock-a-hoop at winning. But I never saw Ong happier, uh, because, as you well know, he won his last major in 1964 at the Masters at Augusta National. And in 1973, we were in La Manga Campo de Golf on the Costa Blanca uh, southern coast of Spain, uh, 
And Arnold had agreed to come and play in the Spanish Open. He was a bit of a back number by now as a player. And to everybody's absolute delight, he made eagle at the 72nd hole, which was a par five, obviously, and um, won the event by one shot by making that eagle three. And I have honestly, I never saw Arnold Palmer happier in his whole life that I knew him, you know, for quite a long time. He actually phoned me on my 80th birthday. And uh, I said, why do you call me on my 80th birthday? And he said, because you probably remember my birthday is tomorrow and I expect you to call me. (laughs) And uh, of course I did. But he said to me, have you ever heard that we're in the golden era, we're in the golden years of our life? And I said, no, Arnold, I haven't actually heard that yet. And he said, well, when you do, tell the person concerned he either hasn't been there or to look out for Alzheimer's. (laughs) 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 That's great. But, you know, I have nothing but happy memories of Arnold. I I drank many of the... Uh, a glass of Kettle One with him. And uh, one of his particular friends, Governor Tom Ridge of Pennsylvania, we had a, a long session one night, and I have to admit, and this is no credit to me, that those beggars drank me under the table almost literally. And we were at Bay Hill, and I literally climbed the stairs to my bedroom uh on my all fours, I crawled up the staircase. But um, Arnold was such a, a great uh, bon viveur that, uh, you know, he, he, would, he did so much good to the game. There's never been a man like him in my experience, which is a very long one, and uh, there probably never will be... A, a gentleman so absolutely brilliant for the game. And I must tell you, Chris, that his personal assistant, a lovely gentleman called Doc Giffen, who's been with him forever and was sports editor of the Pittsburgh Press when the late Bob Drum was working for that paper. Uh, And he told me, the day after Arnold had passed away, that Arnold had signed, to his knowledge, 2,800,000-plus autographs in his life. Wow. Um, there you go. Yeah, no. And, you know, you had an opportunity, you know, obviously broadcasting, you know, the Masters for so many years to see... Mm-hmm you know, the legions of his army, you know, up close and personal, whether it was at Augusta National or really any place that Mr. Palmer heated up. What was it like seeing his galleries? Well, his gallery was enormous. And, I mean, that Arnie's army was, uh, it was a phenomenal thing. I mean, these people were proud uh, of supporting 
this great man who was so good for the game. He never turned down an autograph seeker in his whole life. I, I mean, I know that for a fact. And um, his signature was eminently uh, legible, as you well know, and he despised his colleagues who uh, signed uh, illegibly, as it were, and uh, he really got mad when he saw people's signature that was quite uh, undistinguished and terribly illegible. And it was one of the bees in his bonnet uh, all his life. But, uh, I, you know, I can't say enough good about the man, Chris. I, it was one of the great privileges of my life to be to break bread with such a great man. Mr. Wright, when you look back over, you know, the decade that was the 1960s and we know Mr. Palmer, you know, had seven major, you know, seven majors over 6 years from 58 to 64, but he finished and, and maybe, I don't know that people give him enough credit for the fact that he finished eight times. He finished second eight times in majors over the course of the 1960s, twice at the Masters in 61 and 65, four, time, or, mm-hmm. uh, four times in the U.S. Open in 62, 63, 66, and 67, and then uh, mm-hmm. in, in the PGA Championship in 64, 68, and then again in 1970. So a lot of second-place finishes throughout the course mm-hmm. of the 60s. Just curious to get your thoughts. You know, obviously that's a, you know, a great run for anybody. Uh, for the wins, plus the the second place finishes. But was it was there something that kept him from getting over the top in those majors more than just the fact that the other two of the big three and Mr. Player and Mick, Mr. Nicholas were just there and may have been just a half tick better? Well, when he lost, uh, having such a huge advantage in the U.S. Open in San Francisco against Billy Casper. Uh, it was absolutely a freak that he frittered away a seven-stroke league or, or whatever it was. Um, I mean, it 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 was absolutely stunning. No one had seen anything quite like it. And um, I don't know. I, I it's it's incomprehensible to me that he ever uh, suffered such a terrible collapse. As, that, as he did in that event. Uh, I don't know why he ever lost, because in that golden era, he was so uh, dominant, uh, both mentally and physically. But, of course, I suppose you could say that uh, Jack Nicholas really saw him off. No question about it. Jack came along, and people hated Jack for it, I remember seeing all kinds of horrible signs saying, Jack, put it in here. And the guy was standing with these these huge letters written, Jack, put it in here on the top of a bunker, you know, at, at, the, uh, at, at a major championship. And uh, it, it, was a, it was a terrible thing uh, for, for his army to see their general uh, put it in his place, I suppose you could say. But of course, uh, um, you know, they they weren't good friends at first. They were sworn enemies. Um, and in fact, 
the records show that Arnold refused to play at Muirfield Village in Jack's memorial tournament, and Jack never played or very seldom played in Arnold's Bay Hill extravaganza, but they buried the hatchet, uh, as it, the saying goes, and became the greatest of friends in later years. And I have a lovely, huge enlargement of the last time they played together in competition at Augusta National. And they're walking up the ninth fairway uh, with lovely grins all over their faces. And it was, you know, it was a, it's a lovely thing to have in my, in my collection. Yes, I imagine it is. That's fantastic. Um, Mr. Wright, let's switch gears just a little bit. And I uh, wanted to start uh, to get your thoughts on, on the Ryder Cup for this year and then maybe a little bit of historical stuff as well. But when you, when you look at what we saw at the Ryder Cup this year from Patrick mm-hmm. Reed, does that go down mm-hmm. as one of the best performances in a Ryder Cup? Absolutely. I think it goes down as one of the definitely top ten in my lifetime. No question about it. Patrick Reed strode that uh, golf course like a colossus. And when you think it was over 7,600 yards long, he was just a, a giant amongst men. And I, I, I never cared much for Patrick because he declared he was in the top five players in the world long before uh, this incredible performance when it was a hollow boast. And I didn't like him for boasting like that. But my goodness, he backed it up at Hazeltine. Uh, It was a a virtuoso performance, Chris. And and of course, you've got to say a, a very... A uh, strong word in favor of Phil Mickelson, who in that momentous singles encounter with Sergio Garcia, both of them shot 63 and had 19 birdies between them. Yes, no, I mean, you know, between, you know, when I was watching that match, and uh, you certainly know this way better than I, Mr. Wright, but boy, that, that incredible match between Mickelson and Garcia sort of reminded me of what I've read about the match, you know, from the 1969 Ryder Cup between Jack Nicklaus and, and, and Tony Jacklin, the great concession match. Yes. I'm, I'm curious, was that reminiscent to you from what you saw from that match to, to the Garcia-Mickelson match? Well, you know something, uh, Chris? Tony Jacklin is still one of my closest friends in the game. And actually, we get checked out uh, regularly at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And both of us with the same kind of problem, we're going deaf. Amongst <laughs> other things, uh, old people that we are. And I still regard that Nicholas is concession of the final part to Tony Jacklin to achieve a 16-16 tie in the 1969 match was the greatest sporting gesture I've ever seen. And I say that in the knowledge that I have, and Tony has confirmed it, that he was anything but 
a very good short putter. He hadn't got the yips, but it was uh, sort of on the horizon, as it were. And Nicholas knew that as well as Tony and everybody else who was in the know. But he could have missed that putt. And when Jack picked up the marker and said, I don't think you'd have missed that putt, Tony, that I didn't want to give you the opportunity to do so. I thought that was just absolutely what golf is all about at, at the heart of the matter. Mr. Wright, just a couple more before we let you go. And, and in your book, Good Bounces and Bad Lies, you tell a mm. story about the 1987 Ryder Cup matches that many might be surprised to learn that Gentle Ben Crenshaw actually broke his putter in the singles matches out of frustration very early on in his singles mm-hmm. match that day. Do you mind sharing that story? I do. I, I I don't remember the story, but I remember him doing it. And, you know, I uh, I used to... He, he and I were great friends because we played trivia, golf trivia together. And um, I don't remember the story exactly, but I do remember that I used to call him Violent Ben uh, instead of Gentle Ben because he had a, a wild side, you know. He had a violent temper, um, as he was the first to admit. And, uh, I mean, that was a, a really a crazy thing he did, snapping his putter over his knee or whatever he did. Uh, but I've done the same myself. I... I had a brush with the yips only once in my life, thank the good Lord. And um, I, I, I broke a putter. I smashed it on a boulder near the clubhouse at Cliffs Valley. And I got my comeuppance because the blade hit me in the forehead and oh. uh, <laughs> taught me a very strong lesson. I'm sorry I don't remember this story, Chris. Yeah, you know, I, I'm 84, and maybe the memory is getting a little fake. <laughs> yeah, he broke his putter on the sixth hole out of frustration and ended up having to uh, putt out the rest of the way with his one iron. Lost it one up on the 18th hole, so still putted, putted brilliantly with a one iron for the rest of that Yeah, uh, yeah of that I remember round. that. Yeah, I remember now, that. So, Mr. Wright, based on what we saw at the Ryder Cup, and then obviously Rory McIlroy winning the Tour Championship and uh, you know uh, in great fashion at the end of the golf season, and then you know carried it through to great play at the Ryder Cup matches. In your mind, is he the is he the best player? Is he back on top? Is he the best player in the world right now? Yeah, absolutely. I have no doubts about it. He's so fierce and long. I can I can't. I can barely believe he was the little lad who caddied for me 11 or 12 years ago. Um, he, he, he's enormous. But I, you know something, Chris, I, I would love to say before you do away with me, um, I, I think that the American victory, they have finally established a European ideal of complete uh, selflessness and putting their egos in the closet and playing as a team. 
They outdid the Europeans in teamwork, and I think that it, the game of golf is better for that American victory. It will it will restore interest, which was starting to get a little questionable because uh, Americans don't like uh, losing on a perennial basis, and I um, admire them strongly for that. We were too long. Uh, two easy losers uh, in our, at our side of the pond. And uh, I think it was great for the game of golf, and that's all I care about. Mr. Wright, before we let you go, you host so many wonderful events during the course of the year. What's coming up on your calendar? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very fond of the fact that I host a, a tournament in Spartanburg, South Carolina, uh, for Meals on Wheels or Mobile Meals, whatever you like to call it. And we managed to net $7 million in 20 years for a one-day wow. event. And I'm, I'm proud of that, and uh, more proud of that than probably anything I ever achieved uh, in, my, uh, in my misbegotten, mediocre career. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, suddenly I do have a happy memory of playing. My partner, a Walker, a former Walker Cupper called Peter Tupling and I, uh, it was championship tees at Turnberry, Scotland, no handicap. And he and I, in a 30-mile-an-hour wind, well, between 20 and 30, uh, birded the last five holes at the Elsa course in Turnbury, Scotland, for a 61. And wow. we, won the, we won the event. And the, the weather got worse and worse. And the guy from Texaco, it was the Texaco Cup, he said, do you want to sudden death or a card comeback? And my partner, Peter Tupling, who became a very highly regarded teaching pro, said, Count back. We're not going out in that tempest. And, of course, he knew <laughs> since we'd birded the last five holes, we were unlikely to lose. <laughs> so we took home the Texas Go Cup. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. Mr. Wright, it is always such an honor for me to get to spend some time with you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to come back on the show. I hope I have the privilege of catching up with you again soon to hear more of your stories and insights. You're always so fantastic. Well, anytime you like, Chris. I love it. I appreciate that so much. Take care, Mr. Wright. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you very much, Chris. Take care. That is the legendary Ben Wright, and I, and I mean it sincerely, folks. Of all the privileges and the honors that I have had doing this show, none of them mean more to me than the opportunity to uh, continue to get to spend some time with Mr. Ben Wright. All right, folks, it's time for me to put a bow on this episode. But, you know, before we close up shop, we always want to remind you about, you know, our friends and our partner, PGA Tour Pro Jim Estes, and the great folks over at the Salute Military Golf Association. Let's hear a reminder about all the great things that they're doing. The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country. 
Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, we've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S. If you are a wounded veteran interested in participating or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org. That's smga.org. Yeah, they're doing some great things over at the Salute Military Golf Association. Please, to find out more information and how you can get involved, go to smga.org. All right, everybody, my sincere thanks again to Bernie Nichols and Mr. Ben Wright for making today's show so interesting to me, for me to be a part of. What great stories from Bernie Nichols and, and, and Mr. Wright. I hope you enjoyed it. Please also check out our sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host Bob Lazari and our announcer, Joe Lajanushi. You know that show airs live every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. You can stream it live on Blog Talk Radio and on the Armed Forces Radio Network as well. It's also available, just like this one, on you know, a great podcasting site, Podbean. Boy, our, our friends over at Podbean have been so great to us. You can find us there. We're also the number one golf show on, as a podcast on iHeartRadio. You can find us on Spreaker, TuneIn, Stitcher, Player.fm, and SoundCloud as well. On Thursday Night Tailgate, we're joined every week by five uh, legends from around the NFL sharing great stories and their insights. So please, if you love football, check us out on Thursday Night Tailgate as well. You can find out, you can find both shows on Facebook, you know, Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, Thursday Night Tailgate. Give us a like, that's so important to us as well, and you can find us online. We have, this, this show is nextonthetee.net and thursdaynighttailgate.com. From either site, you can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free, folks, plus keep up to date with who some of our future guests are going to be. Thank you again for choosing to listen to Next on the T. We know you have so many choices for shows and podcasts to stream. We appreciate that you've made Next on the T one of them. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. You've been listening to Next on the T with Christmas Carol, where PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors, and media members go to tell their stories. Join us same time every Saturday to hear more stories about the game we love from the people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf.